Welcome to Law X.0, a Bloomberg Law podcast dedicated to seeing around corners and preparing you for the next version of the legal industry. Two mega deals are grabbing M&A headlines, the Otesla drug deal and the Tiffany & Co. deal. While the deals come out of vastly different industries, they have one interesting thing in common. Both deals contain Me Too reps. Me Too reps are a relatively new feature in M&A deals, but there are signs that they'll become a permanent fixture in 2020. I'm Dory Goldstein. And I'm Bob Combs, filling in for Meg McAvoy. All January long, while Meg is out on maternity leave, we'll be highlighting topics from our Bloomberg Law 2020 series. The series previews themes and topics that the Bloomberg Law analysis team will be watching closely in the coming year. If you haven't checked it out, you really should. It's interesting and surprising and really useful. I'm really excited about these. You'll find bold predictions from our analysts on everything from the future of cannabis law to what's next for cryptocurrency regulation to how cities are resurrecting the public nuisance doctrine. And today, we're going to kick it off by talking about Me Too reps. I know people are pretty used to hearing about the Me Too movement in the context of employment law. It's impacted nearly every workplace in America. But the deals we mentioned, they prove that labor and employment attorneys aren't the only ones adjusting. That's right. These Me Too representations and warranties, or Me Too reps for short, are clauses meant to inform acquiring companies about the risk of sexual harassment liability from the C-suite of the target companies. And we're seeing them show up more and more in deals. Here to tell us more is Grace Morale Burnett. Grace is a legal analyst at Bloomberg Law who practiced as a cross-border M&A attorney. Grace first wrote about Me Too reps in June and has been following the trend ever since. Welcome, Grace. Thanks, Dory and Bob. Grace, I know we mentioned two big mega deals, the Tiffany & Co. and the Otesla deal. Uh, are these isolated or is this part of a larger trend? Me Too reps and M&A agreements are a major trend right now. I've described this as a provision going viral. In my analysis of publicly filed M&A contracts, so merger agreements and the like, that contain these provisions, it's striking that they appear in deals in every market segment, so deals of all sizes, from mega deals like the Tiffany & Co. deal and the Celgene Amgen deal, valued at $10 billion or higher, to small deals valued under $100 million. Uh, in your writing, you used the term Me Too reps, but I've heard them referred to as Weinstein clauses because of Harvey Weinstein. Why are why is Me Too reps a more apt term than what other media have referred to as the Weinstein clauses? Well, when I first decided to look at these provisions, I was hearing a lot of chatter about Weinstein clauses. And when I went into doing my research, I saw that in the M&A context, these are all representations and warranties, and they follow a, a sim similar formulation, and their prevalence is linked to the growth of the Me Too movement with claims continuing to come in. So to me, it's just a more accurate and specific description to call them Me Too reps. So when did Me Too reps first start showing up in M&A deals, and how prevalent are they? We first started seeing these deals in 2018, and the rate at which we're seeing them has rapidly increased since then. So it's while it might not be a huge chunk of the M&A market, uh, the fact that 
they're in these mega deals, these deals of of enormous value. That that's telling us a lot about the rate of adoption. And what do they? What do the Me Too reps do? What do they typically do? What do they cover? These are representations generally made by the target company. In other words, the company that's being acquired or invested in stating that since a certain date in the past, there have been no sexual harassment allegations against the company's executives. And this is usually contained in a section entitled labor and employment matters or something similar to that of the representations and warranties in the M&A agreement. So a merger agreement, a stock purchase agreement, um, uh, agreements like that. Um, and And sometimes they also include a statement that there have been no settlement agreements entered in entered into relating to sexual harassment allegations against executives of the company. So how soon after the Me Too movement began did these clauses start showing up? We started seeing these Me Too reps appear in 2018, and we're just seeing the numbers grow as time goes on. The rate of adoption seems to be going pretty rapidly, especially when you look at their presence in these mega deals. Wow. So are all of these representations the same or do they vary? Well, they follow the same general formulation, but there are some differences. The knowledge qualifier, look back periods, uh, material materiality qualifiers. Let's rewind that a little. <laughs> Let's start with a qual- knowledge qualifier. What's that? These limitations favor the party making the representation, the target, because they provide an opportunity to claim lack of knowledge as a defense to a a claim that they breach the representation and warranty. Okay, so in the Tiffany deal, Tiffany is saying that we don't know of any sexual harassment, and they're making that guarantee to LVHM. Correct. Okay. And this is very common of the agreements I've seen. As of June, when I did my analysis, 84% of the Me Too reps that I looked at had these knowledge qualifiers. Okay. The other thing you mentioned was look-back periods. What What is that? The look-back period is the period of time going back from the date that the representation is being made okay. that the rep covers. So the longer the period, the more favorable this is to the buyer because it means that the company is making this representation as, and has had to go through its records and do due diligence to confirm the accuracy of this rep going far okay. that far back. Okay. How long are those periods typically? The majority of the agreements that I looked at had a look-back period of five years. Okay. But there are some agreements that have no time restriction, which would be huh. super favorable to, <laughs> to a buyer, uh, right. but they can also range anywhere between two and ten years. Uh, so going back to the knowledge qualifiers, it seems like such an obvious thing to put a language in there saying, to the best of our knowledge, why wouldn't a deal have one in it? Well, again, these Me Too reps are usually made by the target, and the inclusion of a knowledge qualifier is a pro-target inclusion. So in the small handful of deals that I've seen that don't have these qualifiers, it's safe to say that the power dynamics involved strong buyers and strong buyers' ah. counsel. Gotcha. Right. So the buyer's counsel in those deals said no. No <laughs> to the knowledge of anybody. They wanted a more solid guarantee. Exactly. So it's a case of having better lawyers. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I mean, or a, just a different power dynamic. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I should also note that 
in some deals, regardless of whether there's a knowledge qualifier or not, there are disclosure schedules um, attached to the agreement, which lay out exceptions to the representation that's being made. So in certain cases, they will say, to the knowledge of the company, going back however many years, there have been no such, there have been no allegations, but in a disclosure schedule, they might set out a one case or two cases that have occurred. Um, and so it's it's just something to keep in mind that even if a company is making these reps, there might be disclosures. Okay. Uh, and some of them make references to that. Um, I, I know I've heard about reciprocal Me Too reps. What are those and how do they come into play here? Well, it's common for buyers in M&A deals to make representations and warranties to the target, but these tend to be much more limited compared to the target company reps. And I have seen a few large deals with Me Too reps in which both the target and the buyer are making identical representations to each other about the absence of these sexual harassment allegations or claims. And again, like you said, I think the inclusion of these is linked to the nature of the deal, Mm -hmm. the status of the parties, and the power dynamics between the parties. As an L&E person, I tend to think of deals as a big company buying a little company, but that's not a there's a whole spectrum of what can happen, right? Absolutely. There could be mergers of equals to really, really big companies coming together. Um, it's not always a takeover. So sometimes the companies are going to be living on together uh, in this new entity. Um, and in that case, in that type of case, you, you would maybe expect to see these reciprocal reps because, because both parties care about uh, this liability. So I want to go back to the research that you've been doing. You first wrote about the Me Too reps this past summer. How have things changed since then? I check back in occasionally, and most recently, the deals in every segment of deal sizes has gone up uh, with these with these reps. Oh, really? Across every deal size? Across every deal size. A broad range of industries, too? You know, I haven't looked at it by industry, but... I have seen the, the, these deals being in, in various industries. Just taking the example of the two mega deals shows this. You know, one is in the mm-hmm. luxury jewelry space. One is in the pharmaceutical space. Right. I've, and I've I've seen deals in in many other industries. So, do you think that you've seen enough now? Is this going to be a permanent fixture in M and A going forward? I think it will get to that point. I think that these clauses aren't a passing trend and they're not going away. In the same way, I don't think the Me Too movement is going to go away. Um, The claims keep rolling in, and I think the number of deals with these reps are just going to continue to go up until it's really just considered a market standard. Mm -hmm. That's that's my prediction. We talked about a couple of high-profile deals. Uh, What other large deals uh, have you seen recently that have contained these provisions? Just this year, the Tableau Salesforce deal announced in June contained a Me Too rep. This was a $15 billion deal, a really big deal. The WorldPay Fidelity National Information Services deal announced in March, that was a really big deal in the, the payment space. And that's when they had that reciprocal agreement in it, if I remember right. That's right. Um, that was a $41 billion deal um, that also included a Me Too rep. 
And to name another large deal, not a mega deal, but a deal that got attention in the cloud tech industry recently was the VMware Inc. carbon black ink deal. VMware is a cloud tech company that's majority owned by Dell that recently bought Carbon Black Inc., which is a cybersecurity firm. And that was a $4.8 billion deal, and that also had Me Too reps in it. Wow. So these high-profile deals are really telling in terms of the level of adoption of these provisions. If you just measure the dollars, the number of dollars that are attached, yeah. uh, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. When you add all these deals together. Okay, so speaking of a, a lot of money, we're seeing all these reps, every market, every sector of the market, every deal size. Do we know if any have been breached yet? Have there been any lawsuits? I haven't heard of any cases yet, but given the newness of this type of rep, I'd say it's still early. Grace, thank you for joining us. If listeners wanted to follow more of your work, where can they find you? My analysis articles are on the Bloomberg Law Analysis channel, and I'm pretty active on Twitter. My handle is at Burnett Grace M. None of the good ones were left. <laughs> Can you spell it? <laughs> B-U-R-N-E-T-T-G-R-A-C-E-M. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you so much. <laughs> that was Grace Moral Burnett talking about Me Too reps in M&A deals. You know, Dory, I'm actually a little surprised that deals didn't contain this type of language before Me Too. I am too. I, it just seems like a good practice. I'm so interested to see if this takes hold. Mm. Join us next week for the next episode in our Bloomberg Law 2020 series. If you want to read the rest of our predictions for 2020, visit pro.bloomberglaw.com slash Bloomberg law 2020. You can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Dory underscore Goldstein. That's D-O-R-I underscore G-O-L-D-S-T-E-I-N. And I'm at Robert Combs, D.C. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-C-O-M-B-S-D-C. You've been listening to Law X.0 from Bloomberg Law. For more Bloomberg Law analysis, visit news.bloomberglaw.com slash Bloomberg law analysis. Find us wherever you download your podcasts. Hey, I'm Adam Allington. I'm the host of a new show from Bloomberg Environment called The Business of Bees. Here's what you need to know about it. We travel around the country talking to people at every corner of the honeybee ecosystem. This is the largest managed pollination event on Earth. In fact, commercial beekeeping is more important to farming than ever before. But bees are also under threat from pesticides and invasive pests and mysterious diseases. It's sort of like Christmas when you go to the hive in December and you open the lid. You just hope somebody's home. If you're interested in bees too, I think you might like the show. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts.